It's time to light up a cigar and talk about business and cars. Are you ready to get the insider edge and pick up a few ideas that you can incorporate into your business today? Your host, Brandon Green, has 25 plus years in the automotive industry with 10 plus years owning his own business. Together with a diverse lineup of guests from all industries, he's asking the right questions to get you the answers you seek. Welcome back to another episode of Business Cars and Cigars. I was off last week because, quite frankly, I got busy and I didn't have an episode ready, so that's on me. My apologies. Anyway, we are back for another new episode this week. And real quick, get these sponsors out of the way because I always forget if I leave it till the end. So, of course, remember our cigar sponsor, Vidanova Cigars. You can definitely get them online at vidanova.com as well as quite a few different places i haven't checked with oliver know exactly where they're all at yet so I, he keeps adding all seems all like almost daily or weekly so check those out of course my shop here the car I shop here in st louis and definitely check out master tech expo happening in phoenix uh march 5th through the 8th if you're into uh custom cars fabrication stuff like that this is going to be the place to be, and I know they uh, announced Chip Boost is going to be there doing one of the uh, keynote speaking, or you know what I mean. Anyway, I'll shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, with that, all that said, all that done, remember, please like, share, give the show a five-star review, all that fun bullshit. And with all that said, I have a gentleman I met several years ago, I believe he was working with Dynamics at the time, became our guy there. And then has moved on and started doing even more cool shit. And so now uh, marketing director at Fast Fuels, is that is that correct? You nailed it, man. Yeah. Uh, marketing director for Fast Diesel Fuel Systems and our sister company, uh, Top Tier Suspensions, which is a whole different animal. Awesome. So we're going to talk some uh, some fun stuff here, but he also does some really badass content creation stuff like that, which is another thing because I'm horrible about this. I wanted to have him on and I wanted to learn a little thing or two myself. So with that said, Mr. Jake Hopkins, how you doing, sir? Good, man. Good. Thanks for having me on. Obviously, you and I go back a few years, but it's good to catch up with you. I know uh, life gets away from us, man. It's been a few months. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's been a while. I didn't make it to SEMA this year. I know you're there every year, obviously, with the companies and stuff and always taking awesome picks. And I'm always watching what you're doing if I don't get to go. So it's always awesome to see. Yeah, yeah. SEMA is a, you know, it's, it's a blast. I think anybody who's attended more than a few times knows there's a, a love-hate relationship between the chaos and all the walking and just getting to be there because it is, you know, kind of sacred ground for us car guys. So yeah, it's it's fun. So tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your past and kind of getting into what you're doing now and kind of all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man, I'll condense about a decade worth of just getting lost and, and struggling in my career. Basically, uh, went to school and didn't really care about any particular subject. Just went to college because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, like so many people my age. Turns out I probably could have saved a lot of money and headache, but we won't get into that. <laughs> um, and the only thing, honestly, that I ever excelled at in college, truly, uh, I was a C student, was was writing, which... Um, if you look at me, you, you might not assume that I've got kind of a meathead vibe, which is fine. Um, but I was a writer in college. I just excelled at writing for whatever reason. It just kind of came naturally. And a few years after graduating college and kind of bouncing around different jobs, like a lot of us do in our early 20s, realized, oh, crap, people will pay you to write, which I truly until I was 26, 
I didn't know you could get paid to write. Now, whether that's, you know, social media, writing captions, writing web page content, ebooks, whatever, hundreds, if not thousands of marketing companies and departments around the country have full-time writers. And that's what I did. Became a, a full-time copywriter. Uh, did that for, gosh, two years. And then uh, the window, the door, whatever, opened up, like you mentioned, that Dynamics, which... For clarity, and I don't know if you feel the same way, I'm, I'm sure you do to a degree. I grew up never being interested in sports. I didn't care about football, hockey, baseball. None of it didn't matter to me. Yep. Didn't want to be an actor. Didn't want to be a singer. I grew up watching Monster Garage, Jesse James, Biker Build-Off, Overhauling. And to me, in my entire life, working in the automotive aftermarket, silly as it might sound to some, although probably not to listeners of this show, working in the automotive aftermarket was the NFL. I mean, that was everything. So. When I got the chance, hopped on at Dive Dynamics, great team over there, nothing but love for those guys. Yep. And after a couple of years, uh, you know, as career changes happen, jumped on to the team with Fast Diesel Fuel Systems, where I'm at now. And uh, yeah, it's been great. Just constantly learning. And you know, it's one of the things about a family-owned business is you wear 20 different hats and, you know, there's good and bad, there's stress and fun, but it's it's all good. Awesome. Well. Tell us a little bit about what fast fuel. I don't know a whole lot. I mean, I literally own my first diesel truck right now. So I, I don't know. Yeah, thanks. So I don't know a whole lot about that side of things, to be honest with you. Um, tell us a little bit about what you guys, if you don't mind, you know, promote it a little bit. Let's hear what, what all you guys do, because I know it's some really cool stuff. I will shamelessly plug products. Absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. Of course. Um, so <laughs> the, the, the simple, the elevator pitch version of what we do is, from the pump, whether you drive for a living, commercial trucks, which is kind of our bread and butter, light duty diesel, like you would have your pickups, your daily drivers, your guys that want to hot rod them or anything in between. The fuel you get from the pump, especially with diesel, is heavily contaminated with water, air, debris. It's it's actually pretty nasty. Um, you'd be kind of grossed out at what we find in the fuel tanks of even like nearly new trucks. It's It's disgusting. And so that fuel, that contamination ends up causing a lot of problems, especially for commercial trucks, professional drivers, because when you drive for a living and your truck goes down, well, you still have a mortgage to pay. Yep. So back in 2003, our founders started developing systems that would not only supply all the fuel flow you could ever need, which is what a lot of people know us for. They know us because of our, you know, the hot rod trucks, the fast stuff, the drag racing, but truly the original intent of the system was and is to keep trucks running longer, eliminate that debris, eliminate the water, eliminate all the stuff that causes problems. And 20 years later, we're, you know, very proud, very grateful to be the industry leader. So that's that's the pitch. I hope it did well. Oh, no, that's awesome. And uh, honestly, I learned a thing or two right there. Now I need to uh, talk to you a little bit more offline and figure out what yeah. I need for my truck. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So one thing I've noticed, and definitely since uh, you've with them, is you've done a lot more uh, content creation and stuff like that. I've seen a lot more videos. You've gotten into doing a lot of TikToks and stuff, for, obviously, over the past couple of years and things like that. I w- kind of wanted to see just a few things that, Number one, you like about it, but also kind of what you've learned about it kind of as you've gotten more and more into it. Yeah, absolutely. So for, from the 10,000 foot view, the reason that we went in when I started with Fast so heavy on content and whether that's TikTok or Instagram or you know YouTube, whatever it is, 
Um, the reason we went in on that was something I learned very early on in my career from some people that are far smarter than me. And that is 99% of companies, big, small, or anything in between, they are so concerned with selling. They're so concerned with converting, with getting the dollars, with securing the sale that they end up being insecure about talking about anything else. And what I like to compare it to, and this might not be PC, is trying to get a girl's phone number, trying to take a girl home from the bar, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Most companies from a philosophical perspective, when it comes to content, when it comes to advertising, all they ever do is ask her for the phone number. They don't introduce themselves. They don't ask her what her life is like. They don't ask her about her day. There's no conversation. There's no There's no giving. There's no value. There's no engagement. They're just, it's just a cold, they're always trying to sell is my point. Yeah. And so our approach is very much a a chess game. We try to make stuff, content, videos, pictures, whatever, that is genuinely not supposed to sell. It's not a trick. It's not a game. We didn't forget to, you know, link a product. We genuinely spend most of our time not trying to openly sell because we want to build that relationship. We genuinely like our customers. We want to entertain them, inform them. And so we spend all of our time doing that. And then when it's appropriate and if it's appropriate, we give them the information they need to buy. So, and I can ramble a lot. So you please feel free to shut me up. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're, you're perfect. Everybody who knows me knows I'm pretty quiet. So if I can get somebody on that talks more, it's it's always better for me. I get, I just perfect. go with it. I checked out, uh, remembered a video you did last fall about framing, about framing and what you're doing, you know, and how you want to make that happen. I wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a really cool video, which, by the way, at the end of this, Jake's going to let you know where to find him, all the different places. But I want you to go into that a little bit because I thought it was a really cool, like a three-minute video, and I even watched it again today. I was like, okay, this is one I definitely want to be sure and hit on here. I appreciate it. Yeah, that means a lot, genuinely. So that the idea of framing content, because I think I think what's difficult, you know, even for me, we have stuff that's that's hard to frame. It's hard to build a story around it. So when I talk about framing, what I mean is when I got into copywriting, I would be handed a product, a brand, a topic and told, go write 1200 words on this, go write 4000 words on this. And so. I developed this concept, which I'm sure I'm not the first person to do it, but I don't know anyone else that refers to it as framing. I had to discover or figure out ways to take what I had to talk about, what I had to write about, and position it in a way that made it appealing. So, for example, when I was 27, I used to write for a plumbing company. Well, blogs and eBooks about plumbing not super interesting by itself unless you're in the industry or unless, you know, your toilet's leaking. Nobody uh, wants to talk about shit. Perfect. <laughs> See? Yeah, exactly. So then I would have to figure out, okay, how do I take what I have to say, what I have to talk about and frame it or position it or twist it, not twist it, but mold it into something that is appealing, actually gives people something of value, actually gives them information or entertains them, which is a lot of what our social media is. So at the end of the day, you're still covering what you need to cover. And, you know, I could probably simplify it by, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So positioning your message in a way that it, you know, delivers nicely is a huge challenge. And, you know, we don't do it perfectly, but I think a lot of brands 
could get a lot better engagement and go a lot further with their content if they would stop and think about, okay, I need to sell object X. I need to sell this new thing. Let's position it. Let's frame it in a way that people actually want to hear about it. And I really like that because for me, I think about, oh, I need to do some videos. Oh, I need to do some of this. You know, I know I need to do it. I need to get put some stuff out there. Yeah. I, I'm like, how do I, and honestly, just listen to some of that. I'm like, okay, I need to rethink about how I'm doing this. Cause I don't want to just set product X down and be like, Hey, here it is. Oh, we opened the box and here's the product and it's supposed to do this or whatever, you know, trying to figure out a different way to do it. So I really like that a lot. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it can be tricky with stuff that is covered in depth a lot. You know, I, I think about, you know, for example, like you're, well, obviously, you know, car audio better than I ever will. So somebody in one of the, the Lexus GX470 groups that I'm in, because I'm a Toyota nerd. Um, yeah, I was actually going to ask about that. <laughs> we'll get, we'll, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to the 470 in a minute. So just for example, there are two, basically two options on the market for navigation equipped GX470s. Now, mm-hmm. you know, they come, you know, they come factory with that Mark Levinson sound system. It is a bear to modify or replace unless you just gut the whole thing. And somebody posted in a Facebook group, you know, I have these, whatever the, the Taze unit, whatever it is, he had one of the options for sale. He's like, I've got a bunch of them. And I was like, that right there, you should have stopped, made a 10 second video, 50 second video about the number one solution for your GX470 headaches. Like just take what you're going to say, take the fact that you have this thing to sell and just wrap it in a bow, just make it nice. And I feel like that that type of thinking is just rinse and repeat across every industry. And you are a hundred percent correct. I've I've heard, you know, with the content you want to educate or inform or you want to evoke some sort of emotion, but you definitely want to get the people involved. And uh yeah. it's at least for me, I overthink things all the time, <laughs> you know. So I'm <laughs> like, uh well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, I, I think one of the biggest things is also just just to do it, you know, get out there and put it out there and you'll learn along the way as well. I mean, am I right or wrong on that from your? Yeah. Well, I mean, the old saying, I, I forget who I'm, I'm stealing this quote from, but uh, don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. Yeah. I mean, you look at the fast TikTok, for example, fast diesel fuel systems TikTok. Um, we've been really blessed. We have awesome customers, and that that following has grown far bigger than we ever thought it would. But we bomb all the time. You know, out of ten videos that we post, maybe three exceed our expectations. The others are like, "Well, we tried it; it was terrible, and we'll move on." You know, so it's. I, I think if you're creating enough content, the majority of it is not going to be you know rock star quality. But if you just yeah. keep trying, it's you know some of it will stick. I agree hundred percent. And <laughs> that said, I need to get off my ass and do more. <laughs> uh, so let's go back to this 470. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're, you're really into your, you found an awesome one. And I, I think I've seen not too long ago, you found another one around here or met somebody that had another one around here, but you're really into these and there's actually a good reason for it. I kind of like, like it. I'm, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you go. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. So I actually, in my constant shifting of cars, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be able to identify with, mm-hmm. uh, I've always moved around one or two vehicles a year. Just if I can, you know, it doesn't always work out, but if I can, I like to, you know, experiment, try different things. 
And I had done a lot of work to my third gen Ram. Uh, I was a Cummins truck, obviously, six speed, had a bunch of stuff done to it. And I kind of hit a point where I was either going to, you know, blow fourth or fifth generation Ram money on it to make it as nice as I wanted, or I was going to sell it while the market was good and eventually start over with a fourth or fifth generation Ram. And I, I elected for the second option. And I think we're already seeing trucks go down. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, uh, I've always been a Toyota 4x4 nerd. I don't know where it came from. Nobody in my family is particularly, you know, affectionate towards Toyota. I think I just kind of like the image that's associated with the 4Runner, kind of that rugged, runs forever, don't change oil for 20,000 miles, it doesn't care type thing, I th that over-engineering right. that Toyota does. And between 2003 and 2009, the Toyota 4Runner and the GX470 were sister vehicles. They shared this incredible million-mile V8. Um, they had, I think, a fully boxed frame, though someone might correct me on that. Center locking differentials. They were just these world-beating international off-road trucks. They made them all over the world, or they sent them all over the world. And yeah, so I scored a, a rust-free, no-story nautical blue gx470 down in georgia i flew down on a wednesday morning and was back home with it by wednesday night and uh yeah we've already got a bunch of parts on the way for it and it's it's going to be a money pit but i love it <laughs> <laughs> i i've seen a couple things what what do you got going on with it what's so, your plans yeah so if, if it's okay i'll shamelessly plug another company um, of course fortunately for me because um it always helps to to know people Yep. Our sister company, Top Tier Suspensions, um, we share fast shares a warehouse with them. They are exclusively focused. They're both a retailer and a wholesaler of high-end off-road components. So they only do off-road and they only do kind of that top 5% of brands. So nice. King, King Shocks, Evo Manufacturing, Innovate Wheels, Dynatrack Axles, you know, stuff generally consumed by very dedicated full-time or almost full-time off-road enthusiasts. So with them, I was able to link up with uh, Icon Vehicle Dynamics. Some people probably know them as Icon Suspension. And we are doing a stage five, which means, you know, most of the toys they offer, not all, not it's not everything they do. Most of what they offer for the GX470. So it's a two and a half inch lift. Billet upper control arms, billet lowers, um, remote reservoir shock, shocks, front rear. And we're just going up to a 33. It's a we have Nitto Terra grapplers in the back and uh wheels from my friends over at Axe Off-Road. They hooked it up with uh some of their new gold, or it's technically bronze, but it's gold. Uh this simulated beadlock that's just gonna look sick on the blue. So those are sexy wheels. I see them on your on your page earlier. Those are gonna look awesome on that blue. For sure. Thanks, man. Thanks. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. You'll have to bring it by and let us see it when you're up and going. I will. I will. Yeah. I actually got to, I got to call you off, off air about uh, some speaker replacements. Cause as you might imagine for 2003, the foam surrounds are just, I don't know where they are, but they're not in the doors. <laughs> yeah. They tend to uh, go away. <laughs> just, just go away. I don't know where they, they go. Dust. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which I'll just say we're recording this on Valentine's day. Uh, the, February 14th. So we're, this will not be a long episode, everyone, because Jake is newly married last year and he has to make sure this first Valentine's day is correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I have a wife at home that uh, also would not be happy if I was here all night, but um, we have a forerunner here. If you get a chance the next day or two, you should swing by uh, our Westport shop. You'd like this one. It's a V8 
Is it really? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah I would love to. And it's yeah. got a pretty decent sound system in it too. So yeah. It's uh those those V8 forerunners, it's it's funny. People will you know who knows because you know you see one parked in a parking lot and like every hundredth person will slow down and be like, oh, you know, they'll start talking about it, noticing it. Uh-huh. But to 99% of the population, a forerunner is a forerunner. And I ain't gonna lie, that's the same way. I, I remember like the old I'm older than you, obviously. Quite a bit, but I remember you know the old boxy forerunners with the the four cylinder, the turbo four cylinder, some of those, and yeah, yep. you know that was my brother had a couple four cylinder Toyota trucks that he beat the living shit out of, but <laughs> one of them was the turbo four cylinder, and I think he rebuilt that thing three times, but that was uh, his abuse, not the truck was itself was solid for sure, but yeah. uh, those things are just. Awesome. I, I don't, I don't remember the client that has this, he's got a, a couple different ones. I think one of them's a, a V6 and this one's a V8 and we've done both of them, but just a solid freaking vehicle. Just really cool. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think back and I try not to, but I think with, it's no secret. Everyone was going overlanding, like literally mm-hmm. everyone is going overlanding these days, which is great. We, we, you know, we love to see it for business reasons, but back back when I was in high school, which was you know way too long ago, you couldn't give away V8 Forerunners. You know, peak two thousand eight gas crisis. You know, economy went to nothing. You couldn't give away GX four seventies and V8 Forerunners, and now they've like so many other things, especially post COVID, they've become this like icon, this collectible thing, and it's you know, I sold my first V8 Forerunner uh, to a very nice guy who I'm still friends with on Facebook at least, and uh, sold it to him in 2019 at, for what the time was peak of the market. I, I got very good money for it. And last year I offered him four grand over what he paid. And he was instantly like, thanks, but no thanks. I have no interest in ever selling it. I was like, well, <laughs> darn. <laughs> yeah, I have one or two over the years. I, I wish I'd have kept for sure. Yeah. Had a lead off into a, you obviously, you know, you do see me, you do different shows and everything. Work on uh, not just content for fast fuels, but you go out and, you know, do pictures and different things. All the different vehicles you see at SEMA and things like that. What's been some of your favorite, or we can go most outrageous you've seen as well. What's been some of your favorites over there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I, I think, and and you would know this, going to SEMA SEMA kind of, the first time you go, kind of resets your brain for car shows. You know, once you've been to SEMA once or twice, what it takes to impress you changes. Or what it, not, I shouldn't say what it takes to impress you, but what it takes to really catch you off guard. Oh, yeah. Changes, Definitely. right? And I'm still a guy, you know, I'm still a, a Midwesterner at heart, you know. So if I see a, a clean square body Chevy, I'm still like, oh, man, you know, it still gets me. Uh-huh. Uh, but as far as what's impressed me, there's a few standouts. So obviously, you know, legendary vehicles like the Hoonicorn, stuff like that is it's uh-huh. crazy to see stuff in person because those cars, you know, the Hoonicorn, well, anything Hoonigan's ever done, you know, those cars and some of the legendary drag racing cars in HRA, those are like celebrities. I mean, the people associated with them oh, are yeah. celebrities, but some of those cars, it's like, you know, if, if only they could talk because it's like it's like meeting an icon. Yeah, I couldn't uh, imagine what this car has seen and done. Yeah, exactly. And then as far as just like, I would say production cars, 
I mean, seeing um, a couple, I think SEMA 2019 was my first Pagani I ever saw in person. I want to say it was a Wyra. That was, just, I mean, because there's only a handful in the entire country. Yeah. So to be standing a foot away from it, I was like, okay, you know, this is, I've, I appreciate a Lamborghini. I can appreciate a Ferrari. This is a little different. Yeah, that's the next step up for sure. Right. That's another thing. I mean, you're talking, you know, Bugatti money or more, depending on the car. And I'm I'm not the person to, you know, try to wax about Pagani prices because I don't know. But yeah, there's there's been a few, you know, that are just impressive like that, kind of from a rarity or a price perspective, just the simple fact that someone has been so successful to own one of those is, is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's, I mean, there's always at SEMA, you know, there's always the guys that they just don't follow any type of tradition and they just go completely off the script. I mean, they are, <laughs> yep. they are so far off the reservation that even if you don't love it, you just appreciate the fact that they're insane enough to build it. Yeah. Being in the rat rod world. Seeing, yeah. yeah. You know, seeing some of the, what the fuck was he thinking? But you know what? <laughs> it works for that car. It's like, okay, cool. You know? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's not, it's not SEMA by any stretch, but um, you know, shout out to a lot of the diesel guys out there. If anyone listening is a diesel fan, there are more, and I say this after two and a half years of going to, you know, a dozen shows a year that are diesel only. Yeah. There are more street trucks and I'm talking trucks with plates, insurance, registration that would gap, you know, a C8 Corvette Z06 or, you know, a, a pro well, a pro mod car, you might be exaggerating, but there yeah. are more thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand horsepower diesel trucks that from the outside, maybe they've got wheels and a sticker. And I never, I never would have guessed it. But these guys, I mean, diesel's a whole different animal, and these guys are not afraid to break parts. <laughs> <laughs> and I know owning one now that diesel's expensive <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome industry, but yeah, it was, oh, so I'll tell you a quick story if you don't mind. Of course. So we were, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, fast, we have a media outlet that's called fast motorsports. So fast motorsports is just a, it's a YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook page where we post all the behind the scenes stuff, you know, the, the fun stuff, kind of the off color stuff that might not, might not make it to a business page. Right. Yeah. One of the things that one of the builds that we've been documenting for the Fast Motorsports channel is a 2007 Ram 3500 that Spencer, who works, he's our operations manager, put a triple turbo uh, 6.4, 6.4 is correct. I, I, people think I'm, I mean to say 6.7 and I don't. It's a 6.4, 6.4 Cummins. And uh, anyway, the, the engine is built to withstand, you know, infinity horsepower. I'm sure we're going to break it, but it's everything that we could do to a OEM six, seven block. So it's been sleeved and deck plated. It's kitchen sink. So we were headed down to Perkins Diesel in Springfield, Missouri, this past spring to pick it up. They built it for us. Um, we told them, you know, do everything. This truck is going to be beat on, Let, you know, build it as strong as you can. Yep. And so I'm headed down there with my camera and I'm thinking, you know, look at us. We're, we're the big dog. You know, we've got this crazy engine build and, you know, we're just, I bet we just impressed the heck out of everybody at this shop. And, you know, we're so cool. 
And I walk in and we're picking up this engine. It was one of 10, just like it. There was <laughs> 10, 11 other guys who had every bit you know, of the components and money, if not more, if not better than we had into that engine. And that's when I realized I was like, oh, this is a, this is a jungle and there are some big dogs out here. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of these trucks, just videos and different things, you know, you pick up and holy shit, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, I am not going to go play that game yet, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's wild. Might have pulled my trailer and it gets me from here to there. And I'm also, uh, until I have something else to drive, I probably don't want to break it either. What uh, did you buy, if you don't mind me asking? I got a 19 uh, F-250, 6.7. Ooh, yeah, those are uh, those are nice trucks. You did well. I uh, I did did some research, and that was kind of what I wanted. And even when prices were high, I found a decent deal. I wouldn't say it was great, but with what the extras it came with, I was happy with it. So it's one of those things when you need it, you need it. Yeah, it it was time for something else. <laughs> my uh, my F one fifty and my excursion were, which we're still driving them, but uh, yeah, they're they're at the point at. They needed, I needed something, uh, take a trailer across, you know, several states and not be concerned that I can make it. <laughs> yeah, those, the new, I mean, really, there's there's a couple power strokes. I think people listening will probably know that are uh, maybe a bit higher maintenance, but those six sevens, the, they're stout, man. They're, they are workhorses. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I know we, we pulled 36, 40 foot, whatever. Uh, bumper pole car trailer to North Carolina. Me and my buddy did last summer for a rat rod show with two rat rods on it. And we were up through the mountains, up and down, fastened semis, whatever, just stock. And I was like, yeah, I'm happy with this thing the way it is. This is awesome. 89 yeah. mile an hour down the road. So, yeah, they're, they're built from the factory to just get beat to death and they do it great. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to find out. <laughs> Probably not too much. Not like, not like you guys, but. I'll, I'll definitely put it to work for sure. Awesome. So I got to ask about something. I know you don't talk about this too much, but you've been into health and fitness for quite a few years. I told you before, I was going to at least ask about yeah. this a little bit because I have a horrible problem with wanting to fucking do this. <laughs> and yeah. my trainer may listen to this and be like, Oh yeah, here he goes. My consistency is horrible, but tell me a little bit. Um, I know uh, you've been, doing this for a long time. So tell me a little bit about kind of what, what you're into with some of this before we uh, wrap this up. Yeah. So um, real quick, you know, my kind of journey with it started back in 2000, gosh, 2009, short version, went to the doctor, found some things out that weren't good. I was well over 300 pounds at the time um, and not like a beefy 300 pounds, just, you know, heavy. <laughs> and uh, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell everybody right now, Jake is like ever, got every bit a couple inches on me, if not more. I don't know. He's a tall guy, and he is like slender and fit as shit. Obviously, you're going to find that out here in a sec. But he is to see you at 300 pounds. That would be a a big man. I I appreciate. Not that it, you're a small guy now, and I don't mean that. No, there's no better compliment than when I say I used to weigh 300 plus pounds and people go, really? That's like my, that's fine. And that is the best <laughs> reaction anybody can give me. Yeah. So I was lucky because most people, like, you know, most people don't have an epiphany moment. You know, they just kind of battle with, you know, fitness and eating right their entire lives or for a significant portion of their lives. And 
you know, I, I can't say I've had a lot of moments like that, but that moment going to the doctor and realizing I had all these problems at 19, that was like my, it was a switch. I just, which is not helpful to tell somebody like, Oh, just, you know, go find something that triggers you and then yeah. you'll change your life. Well, no, I totally understand. Cause a lot of, a lot of the people I've dealt with, I mean, um, business wise or different things, it was literally something that just all of a sudden it's going to click and it's like, okay, I got to go that direction. I got to make it happen. So I totally yeah. understand that, man. Yeah, that's a per- yeah perfect example. Um, it, but you know, it's it's been one of those things where I kind of fell in love with it um, after a long time. You know, the first the first year or two, I worked out or tried to eat right. It sucked. It wasn't fun. You know, I didn't I didn't <laughs> I wasn't into it. I just did it because I didn't want to be, you know, in a health crisis at twenty years old at that point. And in the twelve years since, you know, I've. It's funny. I've never stopped. I've never stopped, you know, paying attention to nutrition, even if it wasn't perfect. I've never stopped working out, even if my workouts weren't, you know, wholehearted all the time. And I get the question once in a while, which is super flattering. I don't take it for granted. How do you stay motivated? Like, I don't. <laughs> I just I just hate this less than the version of me that doesn't do it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I have my days where the sun is shining and I can't wait to go to the gym, but most of the time it's just because that's what I do. I love that. Sticking with the consistency right there. Yeah. Whether you, whether you like it or not, you you just do the work. Yeah. It's, you know, most of the time it's like brushing your teeth. You know, we're not, we're not motivated to brush our teeth, but we just do it. You know, it's better than your teeth falling out. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and to your, you know, to your point about, you know, the consistency thing, and this is something, I don't know, you know, that you're necessarily looking for advice or if I'm qualified to give it. I'm always um, up to hear, listen, I, Hey, I'm always up for anything from anybody. hundred percent. You know, I think that's normal. I think that, you know, people not saying this is you, but a lot of people that struggle back and forth with fitness, you know, they're, they're kind of waiting for that, that aha moment, that, you know, line in the sand, And I think for 99% of us, it's because habit change sucks. Like habit change takes time. And from all the science I've read, the more dramatic a habit shift, the harder it is. So when people tell me they want to work out or they want to eat better, I'm like, just do one small thing better for six weeks. That's it. Don't change your diet. Don't go to the gym for two hours. Don't try to work out five days a week. If you can do one small thing, take a walk or take a multivitamin or drink a protein shake, do that for six weeks and don't worry about anything else. I love that. Yeah. Six weeks later, add something else to it. I love that. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I think that's one of the biggest things. And this is a perfect example is people always take, Oh, I got to do, I got to make this big, massive change. I got to change this. 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 They try to do everything at once as opposed to taking something and being like, okay, what's the first step? Let's make that first step and make that happen. Yeah. And then once that's set in stone and, you know, okay, we're good with this. You know what? It'll work. Let's, let's take that next step, you know, but seriously, it's, it's just one little thing at a time. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. And something I like to say is I think we all, we've all seen, you know, the, the success stories and the guy who lost 300 pounds and this and that. And those really like, I call them like romantic stories because, you know, they're super cool and they get you super pumped up for like five seconds. But I think the big secret is like none of those romantic, interesting stories, you know, whether it's business or fitness or whatever, they never felt that way in the moment. Like for that guy that lost 300 pounds, 
it probably really sucked for like the first three months he was trying to do that. And then it got a little easier and then it got a little easier. And two years later, he has this great story. But to him, day to day, it probably never felt like something great that he was doing. Yeah, it's like all the all the athletes you hear about or something like that. Chiefs last Sunday, you know, you see or quite frankly, I mean, the Eagles played a hell of a game. Uh, sorry, I'm a Chiefs fan, so tough shit. But uh, <laughs> you know suck. what? Yeah, you don't see the work they put in every single day. All you see is that Sunday two-hour game. Yep. You know, it's uh, it's it's something that it's hard to realize. And then once you it, back to that aha moment, clicks in your head like, oh, shit, you got to do the work every day and stay consistent. And then once you get there, then yeah, the results show on those those nice little reels. It's like somebody coming to you and saying, oh, man, must be nice to have the successful car audio shop. Man, I'd love to do that. And you're like, if you only knew <laughs> what you the past 25 years, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And like you getting to where you're at. I mean, how, how many struggles have you gone through over the years and figured out where you want to be and how you want to do it and getting to where you're at now and and also where you want to be? Yeah. Now what's what's the, the, the saying? Uh, you can't climb a smooth mountain. I, I haven't heard that, but I love that. I'm I'm actually going to keep that one. I may steal it. Steal it. I don't know who I stole it from, so it's yours. Okay, perfect. <laughs> all right. Jake, where can everybody find you, find your awesome content and all the cool shit you guys are doing? Oh, you're the man. Um, so it's one word, uh, Big Fast Jake. Big Fast Jake on pretty much everything. Um, if you want to see what I do for a living, you can check it out anywhere content exists. Fast Diesel Fuel Systems. Um, you'll that is F-A-S-S, by the way. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes. F-A-S-S, which stands for Fuel Air Separation System. A lot of people don't know that. But yeah, Fast Diesel Fuel Systems is where all the professional work gets done. And then if you want to just hear my nonsense, it's uh, Big Fast Jake. Absolutely. Brother, thank you for taking the time to come on here and educate me a little bit. And hopefully uh, some other people, and I say hopefully, that's bullshit. I'm sure some other people got some great content out of this too, as well, man. So No, you're you're the man. I Again, I am... I'm flattered to be invited. It's not something I take lightly. So thank you and, and hope to see you guys soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you get a minute or two, swing by any time. Just send me a message. I don't know which shop I'm at from day to day, but uh, Dan's always here at Westport and got some other guys down south now, Gary and uh, Josh. So wherever you're at, give us a swing by and say hi. Yeah, I will. This, this conversation has been a good reminder of how terrible my factory sound system is. So <laughs> I'll come see you guys. All right. We will talk to you later, friend. All right, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Business Cars and Cigars podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing.